Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Galatians chapter 5. And this is uh, our series in Galatians. And I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but every movement of God that really had a breakthrough, a turning point in Christianity. It started with someone writing or studying the book of Galatians. St. Augustine introduced the idea of certainty, assurance of salvation, and also the, uh, the doctrine of original sin when he was studying the book of Galatians. Almost like a thousand years later, the reformation of the church happened because a monk, Martin Luther, decided to read the book of Galatians. And the reformation was sparked. And I believe in a breakthrough happening in our church because we are going back to the gospel of grace. Say a good amen, everybody. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read verse 7 until verse 15. Then we're going to pray and I'm going to title my message. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. The Bible says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, fill this room as we sing, as we worship, as we cry out through the worship time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you take over. You lead this message right now, God. Just use me as your vase, God. And I pray, Father, that as you speak into our hearts, you receive a spiritual intelligence, revelation. Open the eyes of our hearts to see the truth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. The title of my message is The Race of Grace. Now, it's important we uh, uh, get this text in the proper context. Paul um, was writing the, uh, the opening chapters of Galatians in a very fatherly manner, very personal. He appeals for his personal relationship with his readers, his disciples in Galatia. In Galatia. Now, he's being very harsh, mainly toward the enemies, the intruders, the Judaizers, those that were bringing legalism within that beautiful church. And Paul, uh, he, he's very concerned to the point that in this chapter, verse 4, he says such a grave statement. Look what he says. You are 
severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. I don't know if you got this image. Now, I, uh, the image that came to my mind when I was meditating this is John chapter 15. Jesus saying, I am the true vine. If you are detached, if you are severed from, he, from me, you are like this uh, branch that will wither because there is no sap, no life flowing from the vine within you. And you're going to be used for nothing but to fire. God forbid, I don't want to be this withered branch. I don't want to be severed from Christ. And how I get to this point. You that feels, that walks in the righteousness on your own. You that is looking for the self-righteousness on your own effort. You, will, you are severed, separated from Christ. Which means that you are separated from the life of Christ. Christ profits you nothing. You have fallen away from grace. That's the last place I want to be. A place without the favor of God. The place where God is not intervening in my life. Uh, in a place that my expectation is of bad things to happen. Instead of blessings reaching and persecuting me over and over again. I don't want to be any other place but in the place within the favor. The grace of God. Now Paul definitely... He was subscribed in ESPN channel because he loves sports illustration. He uses illustration of sports in Corinth and in the, in the letter to the Corinthians, to the letter to the Galatians, to Timothy. He loves to use this comparison. And he, probably he uses because there was a, a acquainted place for most of the Greek readers of his letters. He had the Olympic Games in his mind when he was writing this illustration. That's why in verse 7 again, he says, you were running well. Now, my family is an athlete family. And my sister actually got to compete as a professional water polo player. Then she changed to triathlon athlete. She uh, uh, competed for a national team, Brazil national team. I used to play for my state water polo team. My brother now is also uh, selected to play for the Costa Rica national team in water polo. So I know what it is to be a disciplined athlete. It is hard. You have to restrict yourself for the greater gain, for the award awaiting for you. Paul has in mind this athlete, very disciplined athlete. Now, I don't want you to use this illustration um, in a misconception way. Because many people take this and think that he's speaking about salvation. But the illustration of race can never be used for salvation. And why? Because in the time of Paul, to be even part, to be uh, registered to compete in the Olympic Games, above all, you had to be a citizen. Now, let me remind you of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 that says... But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about that. The power of our baptism as our birth certificate that gives us birth rights. Citizenship rights. Come on somebody. And that's why now I am 
able to be in the race. Now pay attention. We do not run in order to be saved. But we run because we are saved. Once we are saved, we have our names in the list of the competition, of the runners. So no one, nothing can take my name out of that list. I am in the race. Now, once I got that, not, once I am totally secure about my position as a racer, as a competitor, as an athlete, now what I have to be careful is concerning two dangers that Paul brings up over here in this text. Number one, the shortcuts. Number two, the hindrances. So let me say something. Do not take the shortcuts. So imagine you are an Olympic athlete. Your entire life, ever since you can remember, you have been training to become the best runner of the world. The date of your race comes, you pass through the simulation track just to make sure you know all the path, and you stretch your muscles. Race date came, and you were running. Close to the finish line, you see a detour, you see a shortcut. And you take that shortcut. And now you're running in a different path. You thought you're going to get faster to your goal, but actually you lost track. You are lost. You are just wandering around. You even forgot that you were a racer, that you were a, an athlete. Your muscles now is not doing what they were meant to. You lost purpose. You were called to be a champion, but now you're just a person walking in the sidewalks. You are lost. You lost your aim, your target, your finish line. What I just described here is the definition of the word sin in the New Testament. The word sin is armatia. And armatia means Failure, being in error. But one definition was missing the track, missing the target. You were destined to hit a target. But sin makes us miss the course. We have a perfect purpose. But because of sin, now you are missing out on God's plan. Sin is a great waste of potential because you never get where you intended to and you ended more empty than you began so please don't take the shortcut just keep firm on track but the second danger here is what paul actually emphasized in the verse seven and eight you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth now, the word to hinder here is also an Olympic expression, ekopto, ekopto, that means to be resisted along the course by another person, another influence that pushed you out of the track. You did not look for the shortcut. You actually focused on your track, but something, someone, some thought, some teaching, some YouTuber, some friend pushed you away from the track. And the image that came to my mind was inevitable. 2012, and we are in London Olympics, and one of my Brazilian athlete heroes, 
face a terrible disaster because of a hindrance. Just a short video for you guys to understand this better. danger of a hindrance is that it can cost your own race and you don't want that so you have to discern the hindrance before it reaches out to you yeah that's I don't know about you but as Brazilian that I just feel so bad inside of my guts here when I see these images we were running uh, the marathon one of the greatest uh, sports in every Olympics is actually one of the sports that as a legacy represents the tradition of Olympic Games, and because of a hindrance, it cost uh, Vanderlei the race. Verse 7 says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Most of us are listening here, and honestly, I know maybe you are concerned in the first illustration, the first danger, but as a pastor, I know what most of the time push people away is not seen. Usually is who, is a person, is an influence, is a teacher, is a voice, is a mindset that was taught, encouraged you to be pushed away from the track. The Bible asks us to go back, obeying the truth, not your feelings, not obeying whoever is you are listening or following social media, but obeying the truth. The truth is the gospel. The truth is the gospel of grace. The truth is not the law. The truth is not your own effort. The truth is not on your own potential. The truth is the gospel. Amen. Verse 8. The, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. Let me ask you this. Who is your coach? Who is your trainer? The race our Christian life has to be lived by you, but in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. He dispenses His grace so we can run the race. But let me explain this because I don't want people to think that a Christian life is a passive life. No, no, no. The Bible says, remember John chapter 15, the passage of Jesus saying the true vine and the, the, the branch that is detached in that context. Jesus also promised something. He promised the way we're going to get connected and stay on track. He says in verse 26, John 15, 26, I will send to you the helper. Tell to the closest person, say the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper from the father and the helper is the spirit of truth is the spirit of truth who comes from the father when he comes you tell about me so pay attention the holy spirit is the helper the holy spirit is not the runner the holy spirit is not the doer 
The Holy Spirit is the helper. He strengthens you. He cheers you on. He energizes you, releases his powerful stamina grace over you, but he will not going to race your race, run your trek. And how does the Spirit help us? He speaks the truth. So we can stay obeying the truth. He speaks about Jesus. The text is very clear. He will tell about me. He's going to remind us about the finished work. That in the end, we are destined, we are called to be more than conquerors. He stirs trust and confidence in the middle of the storm. The Holy Spirit is the one that prompts us for God's will. Now, I know that so many voices right now in our generation, we are just overwhelmed with so many voices in social media and other, you know, medias coming over us. But Paul keeps saying, verse 11, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, in other words, I know those enemies uh, uh, that are creeping inside the Galatian church, they are saying that I'm preaching a message, mix it up with the law. And, I'm, and they are saying that I'm preaching what they preach. I'm teaching what they preach. Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So it seems that the legalists, the teachers, the Judaizers were trying to say, no, 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 Paul preaches the same thing that we preach. But Paul in a very vehement argument, he says, no. Like, if I was preaching circumcision, I would not be persecuted. Actually, here now he places the two ways people relate to God. The way of religion, outside appearance, rituals, do and don'ts, law, and circumcision, and the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross. He says, in that case, verse 11, the offense of the cross has been removed. What is the offense of the cross? The offense of the cross means I can't save myself. I can justify myself. I, can, I cannot fix myself. Even less fix my spouse. Even less fix my family, my marriage. I know I don't have power within me to fix my child. That's the offense of the cross. Because he claims that you are powerless. But God is all powerful. He just surrenders you in God's power. Instead of giving you the right to receive any piece of glory. Because in the end, it's all about Jesus. Now pay attention on that because on the other way, it is through the circumcision. It is through this, look what I have done to God. Look the sacrifices I have performed. Look the rituals I have followed. Look at me. Look at me how good, how holy, how sanctimonious I am. I deserve God. I deserve to be blessed. I deserve attention. And the other way is the offense of the cross. Which one we're going to be picked History have shown us that humanity chose religion and keep choosing religion, keep choosing on righteousness, their own righteousness before God. And Paul is so hard on that argument. And as good shepherd that is trying to defend and protect his flock, the Galatians, 
Now he goes hard. Verse 12. He says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Oh, my brother. That's that strong. So strong that Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrased Bible version, the message, he says in this way, Why don't you agitators, you extremists, you radicals, obsessive as they are about circumcision, why don't you go all the way? Okay, circumcision is just, you guys got the image. It's just the beginning, so cut it off. Like if you really want to show that you're so committed, go castrate yourselves. Now, in Paul, it's being very clear here. He's saying, look, ultimately, circumcision will won't stop in circumcision. You're going to think that, okay, now that I did circumcision, I'm going to feel good about myself. But this is a lie. Because now that you're circumcised, you still feel short. You still feel lacking righteousness before God. Maybe, maybe I should keep my kosher diet. Yeah, if I really keep my restrict Jewish diet, I actually going to feel good about myself. And now I'm restricting. I'm eating just kosher diet and also circumcision. Uh, but I still feel short about my righteousness. It's not, I still feel that I'm lacking, that I'm not good before God. Well, I know what to do. Now, maybe if I keep the holidays, if I keep, you know, restrictly all the holidays, the new moons and the, how the Jewish people celebrate, I'll feel good about myself. Am I righteous? I'm going to be uh, good to come before God and pray. And I start to do that and I end up even more empty. Why don't you castrate yourself? That's the idea. Like, you, you don't think that you're going to feel good because it is one demand after another. Why don't you actually trust the finished work of the cross? Why don't you embrace the offense, the scandal of the cross, and just surrender that you cannot save yourself and trust the finished work of the cross? Just rely. Be humble. Just humiliate yourself and say, I cannot save myself. I was talking to a brother this week, and I was sharing with him that God uh, intended from the very beginning a life, grace-filled, spirit-led. And I affirmed to him that the life that God has for each one of us is a life completely free from condemnation and accusation. And he was telling me that he, he feels condemned, that the guilt still haunting him. Over and over from his past, his immoral, sinful past. And instead of actually, you know, the, the, the guilt producing strength and um, abhor and, and uh, disgusting towards sin, actually that condemnation for some reason created even more temptations. And, and that's exactly what Paul says in, Cor in the church, to the church of Corinth. He says that the, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. It's this feeling of condemnation. It's not the other way around. Don't think that this uh, self-pity, condemning yourself, will lead you out of sin. It won't. So he was saying that what is hard for him to understand is that he feels guilty. And sometimes he even convinces himself that that feeling comes from God. And I was, you know, really revolt within my spirit because that's Satan's perfect strategy. It is to hide behind our own conscience and accuse us, leading us even to think that this is God's work. 
That this is a spirit work. But the voice of the spirit is not that kind of voice. Verse 13. The voice of the spirit says, you are called to freedom. Say a good amen, everybody. Amen. You are called to freedom, freedom from accusation, freedom from the law, freedom from this mindset of condemnation, the expectation of bad things to happen. And someone are going to say, well, Pastor, if I affirm that, people are going to be led into debauchery, licentious lifestyle. We're just giving permission to sin. No, no, no. If I give permission to sin, I'm not preaching grace. Grace is not a free pass to sin, but it's a free pass of freedom. It is actually your power to keep running the race, focus on track as an overcomer you're called to be. Life of a Christian is a race. The problem is the mixing of the law, the works of the law, our own performance and solely faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to end my message with this important text that God just like, I want you to understand that because you saw in our video how we emphasize so much to be a church of champions, a church of overcomers. And you need to understand that. So Paul is starting his ministry, his beginning, his writings, and he's explaining how he intend, how he's planning to walk the path, to run his race. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. You guys remember the illustration I talked about Harmachia? I'm not running out of the course. I'm not running just taking the shortcuts. No, no, no. I do not box. I do not fight. As one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Last, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now pay attention. Pastor, are you so sure about your salvation? I'm completely convinced that once my name is in the race list, no one, no thing thinks of the past of the future, no power principality, no sin, no holiness can take my name out of that book, the book of life. Amen. Pastor, are you so sure that you are an overcomer? That you're going to receive the imperishable wreath, the imperishable crown? No, I'm not. I'm only 38 years old. I'm just starting my race. There's a lifelong ahead of me. I'm not running a sprint race. I'm running a lifelong marathon. And I need His grace every single day. His stamina, His power. I need His grace to keep running. But I discipline my body. I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I lose my wreath, my crown. Okay. Pastor, so is Paul certain? Is Paul 
secure about his salvation. Totally. But it's Paul in the beginning of his ministry, 1 Corinthians, secure about the award of his race. No, he's not. Because he's starting his race. I don't know where you are in your race, but I, for me, I'm still running. I'm still running. Well, let's, let's go to the very end of Paul's life. Let's go with me to the final words of this great apostle. And let's learn with him how to be an overcomer. What makes us an overcomer? Let's go there and finding 2 Timothy, literally the last words of the great, this great apostle, writing these final words to his beloved disciple Timothy. He had already a death sentence over his neck, written and sentenced by Nero. And he was writing to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. Yeah, I did not box in the air. And I have finished the race. Oh, I want to say that on that day. I want to say those words on my day. Knowing that I not only fought, knowing that I not only ran, but I finished my race. And I kept the faith. Now, Paul tells us the secret of how to be an overcomer. Pay attention, because if you are an overcomer, if you are called to be an overcomer, this is the secret. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the secret. The secret is to love him. Have our trust in him. Have our reliance on him. Keep our eyes on him. Let me invite you to